It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? It's the Locked On Sabres Podcast. Joe DiBiase from WGR Sports Radio 550. And Jordan Hanskin from the Meadville Tribune. And we're going to begin our all-time Sabres numbers list today. We're going to be doing numbers 1 through 10, so stay tuned for that. We're going to have more details on our NHL all-time Sabres tournament uh, simulation and drafts, which we'll have for you probably in the next few weeks. We'll have details on that in the next coming days. I think our brothers are going to join in on that. Uh, So we should have a four-team league, and I've already got a board working. Like I already know who I draft first overall. Um, in this all-time Sabres draft. I really think you could get away with like two or three guys, though. Like, Would it be crazy to pick Eichel first overall in an all-time Sabres draft right now? It's, it's Remember, you're playing, you're, you want your team to win. Like You're playing games, so it's not about longevity necessarily. Right, yeah. Um, it depends on what the other guys are rated, to be honest. like I wonder what they're giving you know, Gilbert Perot or yeah. what they're giving Hasek. I yeah. assume Hashik's got to be as close to a 99 as you can get. We'll have ratings. Uh, we might have to make our own. I've been looking around, seeing if I could find like old-time Sabre ratings, like all-time Sabre ratings on NHL, and I haven't been able to find any. So maybe we have like a committee uh, a committee cast where we uh, determine the ratings of each of these players. So we'll see uh, We'll see some more details on that in the, uh, in the coming days and weeks. But uh, we're doing our all-time number list, so we're going to have a list one, actually really, Honestly, say double zero through one hundred um, for the greatest saber at each number. If you know, I mean, I don't think every single number has been worn. Like we're looking at, um, for instance, there's numbers in the nineties. No one's ever worn ninety, no ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety four. Uh, no, nothing between eighty four and eighty eight. So like, there's numbers in here nobody's worn, but as complete a list as we could find for the uh, the top one hundred sabers or the best saber at each number, um, zero through ninety nine. So we're gonna do that in just a second here. So stay tuned. But there's a couple of housekeeping things that we should uh, we should talk about before we get into it. There was a report from this morning that. If the NHL comes back in May, which is about where we are about to be, uh, uh, we're trending. That's what the CDC recommendation was, was at this point, the best case scenario for leagues to come back and play is in May. If that happens, then the NHL, there's a report, is considering, well, one, they're getting lots of creative proposals from all their teams, but they're considering a proposal where the top 24 teams will all play in the playoffs and you'll have like maybe like a a one round uh, elimination between teams like 16 through 18, something like that. Um, There are teams 14 through 24. So the top dozen or so teams get an automatic entryway into the second, um, the second round, which is really, I think where like that would really be like the first round of the real playoffs. And then the rest of the playoffs or the rest of the teams, because they did not get a real opportunity to catch the to other teams to make the postseason would get like a one game. Hey, you can earn it here still kind of like what baseball does with their wildcard round. And funny enough, top 24 is the report, right? Guess where the Sabres currently sit in the league standings. 25, 25, 68 points. Now there would maybe be a grudge here because the Sabres are 25th. They've played two fewer games than the Montreal Canadiens, 
who are three points ahead of them. So they'd have to win <laughs> both of their games in hand, and then they'd be in the top 24. So maybe the Sabres would get the right to get in the top 24. I don't know. So maybe the Sabres could make the playoffs this season. This is this is wild. <laughs> who would have thought that this is this is all this chaos and all this, you know, like a, literally a pandemic could get the Sabres into the playoffs, but it probably couldn't even get them into the playoffs because right now they sit outside and they would have to, if they did let them play their games in hand, they would have to win both to tie Montreal, to pass Montreal sure. or uh, go get three out of four to, to tie them. So, uh, yeah, even like the world, you know, crumbling to its knees can't even get the Sabres into the playoffs. What, 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 would be the, what would be the format there, though? Because, like, who would you have them play? Like, they'd be scheduled to play Carolina next, but Carolina's 11th in the league, so they'd have no reason to play that hockey game. So I don't know, yeah, how, I don't know how it works. I think they might have to just do it based on whatever the numbers are now. And, you know, tough. say you're fresh out of luck, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, not, hey, maybe you, play a, maybe you play a game against Montreal, who's 24th for entryway into the one-game playoff. But you're probably getting too complicated at that point. But I think, you know, the Sabres have a real grievance because if you maybe they go by point percentage, but I think even by point percentage, the Sabres would be, uh, yeah, 68 and 69 is worse than 71 and 71. So they'd miss on point percentage. But um, yeah, that'd be annoying if uh, that's how they'd miss. They were, oh, could you imagine like if that that's how the drought continues, like they go to top 24 and they're 25th. It's very frustrating. Um, so there's, so there's that, uh, also, uh, coming down today because you know, the, the virus, uh, storylines and cancellations has basically reached all sports at this point. There's really nothing left other than UFC, which is still out here trying to make it with uh, no fans. You've got the NHL telling players to now go home. And if you're from overseas, go overseas, which I mean, that's tough because there's a travel ban in Europe. Um, so I don't really know if those players will ever be able to get back here anytime soon. So I think that's a questionable decision by the NHL, to say the least. And that players are to go into self-quarantine. So I don't. I, I think maybe th- th- them saying, hey, if your home is overseas, you can go. But for the most part, these European players have homes here. So I don't anticipate that's going to happen. Like Johan Larsson is from Sweden, but he no doubt has a place here. He's lived here for six years, so... I'm not sure that that will really uh, reach that far, but players were told to go home, self-quarantine, so that uh, if play does pick up again in May, that hopefully those players are healthy enough again to play. And I know uh, your guy, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz, what's most interesting about this virus and why it's so dangerous, and he was talking about on Good Morning America, he's one of the players that tested positive in the NBA for the virus, and he said he's not felt sick to this day. Like He tested positive almost a week ago now, and he's like he feels fine. He's like, I could play tomorrow. And if it wasn't contagious and I, I, uh, if this wasn't all happening. So that's maybe the most dangerous part of this is you got a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's had it for at least a week in his system. And he's like, yep, haven't felt it at all. Yeah, that, that is definitely the scariest part is that you can be, you could possibly never show symptoms, but still, you know, carry the disease and pass it along to people. You can, you know, just think it's like a cold you could you know you just have no you just have no idea and uh mm-hmm. it's just that just makes it so tough to judge it takes two weeks possibly for symptoms to even show so you could have it for two weeks and not even know that you're passing it on to people you just go to work because you just don't know right. um and that's that's the scariest part that's why you know it's that's why it's become this you know 
two month, you know, shutdown essentially. It seems like that's where we're trending. It's like a month or two of just, you know, everybody just staying inside, uh, living yep. with themselves, reading books. Uh, and hopefully, movies. hopefully listening to this podcast. And hopefully listening to Lockdown Sabres because we're providing, you know, all the best video game uh, <laughs> number ranking content you <laughs> crave. That's right. Um, Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, gosh, I wish I could dress that nice? Well, with Indochino, you can. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. I could change the type of collar, cuffs, and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. Yeah, and let's let's get right into it. Let's get into our jersey numbers. Before we get into the act the right like the real numbers, I guess this is a real number. Uh double zero was worn once, and I think that deserves Marty. to be on this list. Marty Baron wore it, wore it as an 18-year-old rookie in the 1995-1996 season after being a first-round pick of the Sabres way back in 1995. Um, he played three games that year, two losses, so he only started two of the games. Uh, looks like 844 save percentage. Didn't play all that well. Uh, different time, though, in the game, so an 844 is not like it is today where like you shouldn't even be in the AHL with numbers like that. So uh, Marty Baron gets the double zero. I think he'll probably end up on this list twice. Yeah, and it'll be so one of two players probably to end up on this list twice. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, side note here. Um, is double zero a cooler number than regular zero? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Okay. No one's ever. I'm trying zero. to think of like double zero is like in the NBA. It's like Spencer Hawes, and then Spencer Hawes. regular zero is. Russell Westbrook and Kevin so Love and more more of the stars went with regular zero. Over yeah. double, zero. double zero is kind of phased out of hockey. I don't think it, you know. No, that was it. I think they said you can't wear that after that. So he <laughs> might be the only player to ever wear double zero in the NHL. I'm pretty sure actually that he is um, the only player to maybe even ever think of it. So there's that. So we got Marty Baron in a double zero. He's our first entry into the all-time Sabre number list. Number one. And uh, I'll put, if you have any dispute with my vote here, of course, be, will, be sure to uh, throw it in here. And maybe we'll go every other here. So I'll go first for number one. You go for number two and so on and so forth. But yeah. um, I'm go, I, think, uh, I think Don Edwards has to be the answer for uh, number one for the Sabres. I know Roger Crozier has a little bit more longevity on him, but... Don Edwards, one of three Sabres goaltenders in franchise history to win the Vesna. He did so in 1979, 1980. Of course, I never saw him play too young, but I do think you also have to, we, we, especially since, you know, we're younger guys. I think we have to represent the older guard a little bit for the Sabres. Don Edwards to me would make this cut four time all-star, I believe here. So four time all-star won the Vesna. I don't, I think Crozier obviously is like the first goaltender in Sabres history. So he has a place too in franchise history, but uh, I'm going Don Edwards because his peak was higher. 
Yeah, I think that that's the answer. I mean, how do you beat a Vezina winning goalie if you're, you know, doing the debate for number one? Um, You know, Crozier, yeah, his first goalie. I think that that means a lot. I think that means a lot, especially to, you know, people like my father, who always loves talking about the the early 70s Sabres. And I I also want to throw a little bit of love to uh, Enroth here a little bit. Yeah, I was going to mention you know, yeah, I mean, third place is, it's a, it's a tough, it's a loaded uh, field for number one. It's mm-hmm. now no slouch. Jonas Enroth was a very good goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, mm-hmm. He filled in really well. He, he plays the backup role. He played the backup role really well. He filled in excellent when Ryan Miller was injured, um, mm-hmm. possibly too well in the tank year. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I think I think we all look back fondly on, you know, the, the little guy, Jonas Enroth. Jonas that, Enroth, yeah. 510 was all he uh yes the last time the sabers made the postseason in 2011 i was doing some math on this a couple of months ago when i was looking back on that season Enroth, remember replaced laleem as the backup so he would play in rochester for his development or whatever just stay fresh also and then when it was time for miller to get a rest they'd call up Enroth and he would start and if you look back on that he was very important to them making the postseason he went seven and zero from january on that year, remember when the Sabres were making that furious run? So they really had no uh, room for error. And you know, Patrick Oleem was not going to go seven and zero in that stretch. No. So Enroth, I think, played a big part, of course, in that run. And like you said, when Miller went out, he uh, he definitely stepped up, and he was a very good backup goaltender for a long time here. And you know, he was maybe starter caliber. I'm surprised he didn't get more of a chance than he did because that second last year he was in the league with the Kings. He only played 16 games, but he was phenomenal. Like a 922 save percentage. I remember people talking about like, Oh, where he's going to sign next year. Maybe he'll get like a chance to be a starter. He probably won't come in in training camp as a team starter, but maybe he'll get a shot. And he went to Toronto. He only played six games and that was like about it. And then he's just been in Sweden ever since. So kind of a weird fizzling out of Enroth's career, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because I think he, uh, he deserves to be uh, mentioned here. Number two, I think is a pretty easy one. Yeah, I think it's gotta be, it's, it's a retired number. Um, both of the two guys that wore number two were only here for brief stints, but Tim Horton, obviously, everyone knows the story, you know, the the tragic uh, car accident. Yep. Um. But uh, yeah, I think it's got to be Tim Horton. He was an he was an excellent NHL player his entire career, and uh, you know, he his numbers retired for a reason, reason a very sad reason, but yeah. um, you know, it's yeah. got it's got to be him. And yeah, he doesn't have much competition. Jim Jim Watson only playing the uh, the one full season for the Sabers. Horton getting in uh, 124 games with the Sabers, which is actually he played for four teams. That's the second most. He only had short stints with the Penguins and Rangers. Well, obviously, never saw him play. I, Right, reading about him, watching things about him, you know that he was a big, rough and tumble defenseman. So you can't really look at the stats and get a sense of how valuable he was because you could just look at it and say, "Oh, one goal, sixteen assists, and seventy games for the Sabers." Not that great, but that wasn't really his game. He was more of a like the the old school, uh, big physical uh, defenseman. And by today's standards, not big. You know, only five ten, but um, back in the day, you know, he was he was that type of defenseman. So Tim Horton as number two, and of course. I mean, we got we got to count the the cafe and bake shop for something, don't we? Like, that's, got, that's a bonus. I think it matters. Yeah, it matters. I think off the, I think off the ice uh, stuff matters a lot. He's you a know? staple in uh, in Buffalo culture. Staple, yeah, staple, and I mean, staple in totally Canadian culture too. I know we don't really talk about that much, but I mean, that name is that name is everywhere. Yeah, 
Tim Hortons, by the way, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can get g- good plugs like that. Um, yeah. num- number three, uh, I th- I think you could go a number of different ways here. There are, I mean, a, a million. There are a, a million. lot of short, a lot of short stints. In yeah, the- a lot of short stints. We have twenty players that have worn number three, beginning with guys like in, in the early days. Mike Robitaille wore it for three years in the seventies. Hanu Verta uh, in the eighties. Um, you got Grant Ledyard for a few years in the early nineties. I'm going with though, and I wonder we might be di- this might be the first one we differ. I'm not sure yet. I'm going with James Patrick for number three between 1994 or 1999 and 2004 as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. I remember James Patrick a lot growing up. Like he was a solid two-way defenseman. Um, actually more of it, not really that offensive in the later point of his career. I remember him obviously being, or uh, knowing him as being a more offensive guy in his early days with the Rangers. And he was a Sabre later in his career, but good, solid defensive defenseman played for the Sabres in a couple of playoff runs in the early two thousands and in the late nineties, um, part of that team that made the Stanley cup in 1999. So I am, uh, I'm going with James Patrick and um, I, I think there were other guys that were close, but uh, you know, obviously his stint as an assistant coach too, maybe uh, broke the tie for me. I'm not going to lie. So I'm going with James Patrick. Yeah, I think James Patrick is a is a fair answer. I think it was between him and for me, it was I ended up going with uh, Mike Robitaille. Okay, um, you know, <laughs> not just not just being you know a player on the Sabers, um, way back when in the early years, but also ending up being the uh, the color guy for Rick for so long. I think mm-hmm. that, that I think that that kind of pushed him over the edge to me. I mean, you always remember, you know, kind of the Homer the Homer broadcast. Right. Um, when, the, when the Sabres were good and you had, you had Rick Jenneret, you know, doing his thing every time the Sabres score, just going, going bonkers. And then you have Mike Robitaille anytime, you know, the Sabres feel like they've been slighted. Mike Robitaille is <laughs> digging in on the refs and I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm going to have another color guy probably on my list. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll maybe get a couple of guys in here. So I went with James Patrick. You went with, um, Mike Robitaille. You could have also gone with Jordan Leopold who had a couple of nice seasons for the Sabres in the early, uh, 2010s and, you know, Gary Galley, you got Mark Pasek for a couple of years, but for the most part, uh, I think we, uh, we nailed the top guys. I kind of think three might be up for the taking. I see Will Borgen wore it for a game. I think like, that's if he, number, you know, develops into a good player, like yeah, it's there. Know, it's there for the taking. It's not a super high bar. I probably would have thought Pasek would have grabbed it, but they ended up trading him for mm-hmm. Kulikov. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go before we get into that anymore. Let's go to number four. And again, one of those numbers where you could have gone a hundred different ways. Twenty-three players wore number four for the Buffalo Sabers. That I believe is third most behind um or fourth most behind 23 17 and 24 so who do you got for uh number four i um just looking at the longevity i i ended up going with uh jerry korab mm, um, yeah i think like just the 11 year stint i think the only closest one i got to on this list to him was Rhett warner mm-hmm. um for you know i mean big goals and then yeah. you know playing in playing in a big time for the Sabres, you know, two of their, two of their really great chances of winning a cup was 99. Obviously they made the final and, uh, you know, 2001, I think they kind of got robbed and they would have had a decent shot against the devils. Um, right. but yeah, I went with Corab. I mean, playing, playing well into the mid eighties after starting in 1974 is a big deal. That does not happen that much in hockey. And, yeah. uh, yeah, solid, solid player for all around for the Sabres. 
I, I, from what I know about Koreb, I mean, he's a defenseman I think I would have liked because he was like all around. Like he had, he, he had some offense to his game, four double digit goal seasons from a defenseman in a five full seasons for the Sabres. And I mean, there's a 56 point season in there too. So like he would put up some offense, but he, I think he's more known as like King Kong Koreb. Like that's the nickname, right? And like yeah. there's all, you just see all the penalty minutes there. And I'm like, when you go to hockeyfights.com and you go to the Sabre page, it's a lot of Jerry Koreb. So big, tough, and the the fights were uh, were rampant, and um, their offense was there too. So I think this was actually to me a pretty easy one. I didn't see another guy for number four that was uh, all that competitive. I mean, you could have gone Mike Wilson, Rhett Warner, maybe sticks out as a guy you could have picked here. Obviously, you should mention Steve Montador uh, here. Rest in peace to him because he was a part of that last Sabres team that made the postseason mm-hmm. in uh, twenty eleven, and. Um, since then, it's been a funny list. Like, if you go since Steve Montador at number four, it's Joe Finley, who was just a hunk of nothing uh, on the blue line. Um, if you remember him, he was enormous. Like, everyone thought he was going to fight Chara because he was 6'8", 250 <laughs> as a defense. That was his role. His role was going to be to fight Chara. Right, that was it. He was here to fight Chara. And then uh, Jamie McBain playing a couple of years here, or a couple a couple of games here. Josh Georges, who was painful to watch for a few seasons. Zach Bogosian, even more painful to watch. So uh, not a great list, uh, but Jerry Korab definitely deserving, I think, of uh, the top number four in Sabre history. Number five, a couple of different ways you could have gone here too. too. I, uh, I'm going with Mike Wilson, or uh, not Mike Wilson, sorry, Mike Ramsey, who played from over a decade here, 81 to 93, a lot of games played, uh, 911. He's top five all-time in uh, games played for the Sabres. In fact, he's third all-time with 911 games. Only two players have reached 1,000. We might have a couple of them coming up shortly. Um, so, yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going Mike Ramsey, part of the uh, the, the Miracle on Ice team as well. That's so, right. Yeah, I think this is, this is similar to number four, I think, a lot. is you know, the, the, long, the, the long longevity for a player that was in a time that we – weren't around to see, but you know, you hear stories about Mike Ramsey. You know, I, I remember watching Miracle and my my dad saying, Yeah, that guy played for the Sabres for a long time. And uh yeah, he was he was a big option. He was probably the he's the best option of this list. Uh Jason Woolley, speaking of big goals, he's he's probably my yeah. him or Ludman are probably my number two guys. I, Willie has a, a game-winning Stanley Cup final goal, so I think maybe he deserves a little bit of a one a, of the biggest here over yeah, Sabres moments, really. Of all yeah, that's yeah. shot her around the world. So. Ludman, though, man, like Ludman was just solid for a long time, and he he had the Ludman dump, like the patented Ludman dump. I remember as a kid who liked to play defense, as a kid playing hockey. Like I would watch him and I kind of tried to master that same thing. It's such a silly thing to try to emulate from someone, but being able to backhand it out of your zone straight up in the air, like that took skill. And like, that was interesting. I remember Don Cherry got coach's corner once did like a whole segment on that. So patented Ludman dump. Like it, it was amazing. And he penalty killing, he's got it on his backhand in his own corner. And he just like rainbow it down the ice, like Patrick Mahomes on a rope into the, uh, into the other corner. So uh, it was tremendous. So Ludman definitely deserves some credit here. Since Ludman, by the way, only two players have worn it. Chad Ruedel, who's had a nice year, uh, nice career in Pittsburgh since he left. And uh, Matt Tennyson, who was not not fun to watch, to say the least. <laughs> uh, number six, we move on to number six. And uh, I don't think our boy Yoro Spachuk, Spacho, Spacho man, is going to end up uh, first here. Because I think uh, n- number six should be pretty obvious here. It's got to be Housley, right? 
Yeah, it's got to be Housley. Sean yeah. Feld, I think, deserves some credit here um, for over a decade plus uh, playing for the Sabres. But Housley, man, like the numbers, like, yeah, he's got to be he's got to be the guy. Oh, for sure. I think it's yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about a defenseman that kind of changed the game, really. Mm-hmm. Or like one of the defensemen that helped change the game, you know, him and sure. I mean, you got to give it to Bobby Orr first, but then oh, yeah. like, yeah, but then, you you know, Housley was in that mold. He's probably one of the guys that like, you know, followed yeah. Bobby Orr's footsteps. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, his coaching stint probably dropped him a little bit, but you know, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's he fair. Did, if, he we're, good with the bad. Uh, if we're he bumping probably, up, he probably with... helped Schoenfeld, you know, rise a little bit in the, in the rankings. <laughs> Yeah, but, if, but, but that's yeah, fair. If we're bumping up, you know, um, like Mike Robitaille because of his broadcasting career, then I think we do have to downgrade <laughs> Housley a little bit because of his uh, because of his career. Now, when you look at the all-time point list, like he's up there. and He's top among defensemen, too. He's fifth all-time in points, fourth all-time in assists. Um, so, yeah, like I think that he obviously uh, – this is like this is the right answer. Again, Sean Feld I think deserves uh, a mention here for sure. Uh, we already mentioned Euro Spachuk because that's our guy. And um, that's about the extent of the list, I think, of guys we need yeah, to mention. Bro. But Housley, man, like so offensive. Like look at some of these years. 81 points in 1990. 97 points in 93. All that was with Winnipeg. Like that just shows the type of offensive ability this guy had. And um, whenever you see these like records that Darlene is breaking as a teenage defenseman, like the only guy that's right there with him is Housley. So yeah. and Bobby and Bobby Orr cool. a lot of times too. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to number seven. It's a pretty easy one. Rick Martin. Yeah. Yep, hundred um, percent. I mean, there's not. You want to talk more about it, but like, I mean, his everything that he did kind of speaks for itself. You know, remember the goal, French Connection. Yeah. French Connection, fifty goal scorer, two time fifty goal scorer for the Sabers. Um, just consistent all the way through his Saber career. I mean, the first season he had four. The list was goal totals. So I just run through them. Full seasons he played because there's one year at the end there where uh, he only played 20 games and he ended up with seven goals, which is not all that bad either. But full seasons he played for the Sabres starting in 71, 44 goals, 37, 52, 52, 49, 36, 28, 32, 45. I mean, the guy never had a bad season, never once for the Sabres. Uh-huh. So, and like his personality, like he's always like a guy people tell stories about, like even more so than even like Perot and, and uh, Rene Robert, like he seemed to be more active in the community and like he was just beloved as a guy. And like, maybe what's sad to me is like, I was a kid when that happened. So never really got a chance to interact with him. So that kind of sucks. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, like the, the career speaks for itself. Like he's easily, easily number seven here. Yep. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. 
All right, all right. So let's move on to number eight. And you can go a different couple of different ways, number eight, but uh I think I know where you're going here. I think I, I ended up going with Lorenz, Jim Lorenz. In part, I think because I think the broadcasting career like that matters too. Like that matters to these guys. 100%. Like I yeah. think that, that pushed them over the edge. If you're if you're in a debate, I mean hmm. having stuff off the ice where you stayed with the organization and you, you know, talk, you talk sabers for a living. I think that, you know, ingrains you into uh, the fabric of the mindset of like fans. And I think uh, Jim Lorenz is hundred percent in the same boat with, you know, Mike Robitaille in that possibly more so, you know, yeah. I think that, I think that he was, he was another one of the, the Homer broadcasters that you just loved. And he, he was like a part of your game watching experience. Yeah, Lorenz to me, like he's a better player too. Like he was known for having some offense to his game. Forty for uh, not forty four twenty goal seasons for the Sabers in uh, in seven years. So like he would put up some offense, and it's not like we're putting him above just because of the color commentary. Like he had he played the most years of anybody that wore that number that wore the number eight six seasons worth or uh, seven seasons worth seventy two to seventy eight. So yeah, I think uh, th- this is the right answer here. Good player, and um, I. Dude, when he was on in the booth with Rick in the uh, in the booth like for '90s night or whatever, like I'm like, oh my god, I miss that guy in the booth. Like him and RJ were the perfect combo. Yeah, and nothing against like Rob. Rob was actually Rob Ray was a part of the the the, the trio there. They just kind of made him two roles um, once Lorenz and Harry Neal were done. But I mean, Lorenz, man, like he was so good at uh, at color. So. Yeah, wish that uh, somehow we can go back to that, but uh, I know he's uh, probably enjoying retirement way too much. Let's go <laughs> to uh, number nine. Number nine is, to me, going to be one of these guys that makes the list twice. Even yeah. though Derek Roy played eight years here, and even I, though like there were some big seasons, like he had an 80-point season for the Sabres. Jack Eichel is playing at a level that no one else that's ever worn number nine has. And that includes Evander Kane. That includes Roy. That includes Steve Ott for sure. Um, and even though he's only done it for two years now, Jack Eichel has got to be number nine to me. One of the best players in franchise history. We're going to do the Sabre draft in a, in a couple of weeks, maybe, or even before that. And like, he's going to go top five for sure. Yeah. I think uh, if Eichel didn't switch numbers, I think this would go to Derek Roy. I think Derek Roy would get it for the for the longevity playing on really good Sabres teams. I know he wasn't like he's never been the most likable. You know, I don't think Sabres fans would say he's the most likable player that they had. But I mean, he had a lot of good numbers. But I mean, you're you're going up against Jack Eichel, who's mm-hmm. going to be in that Mount Rushmore of Sabres. It's just going to happen. And uh, you know, Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel went to number nine, the number that he wore in college. And he wears it well, and he's, you know, the captain of the Sabres, and he's an all-star. He's a superstar, really. Should be yep. nominated for Hart trophies year after year because he there aren't many players that mean more to their given franchise than Jack Eichel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And honestly, his best two seasons have come with the number nine. I mean, he was obviously very good as a young player, as a teenager with uh, 15, but the two seasons he's had over a point a game were his two seasons with number nine, 82 points and 77 games last year, 78 points with 68 games this year. And he's really taken that superstar jump this season with that number. So um, yeah, I think he's maybe going to be known more for number nine than number five uh, already. And he certainly will by the end of his career. So um, yeah, Jack Eichel to me is uh, definitely got to be number nine here all time, even though it's only been two years and Roy had eight. Uh, We, I think we can project out a little bit to know that Eichel is going to, going to, should pass Roy in all longevity there. Um, number 10, 
Number 10, man, like uh, I wish Henrik Talinder would have got a spot on this list because I, I love Hank Tank. But um, I think uh, loaded, I'll, I'll, I'll let you nominate uh, number 10 here. Yeah, it's a low, it's a loaded number. Uh, I ended up going with uh, Craig Ramsey, slightly over Dale Howarchuk. Yeah. You know, like Ramsey, Ramsey played was it thirteen years for the team? Um, yeah, second all time he's played over a thousand games. Only one of two players to ever play over a thousand games for the Sabers. Perot was the other. Um, so yeah, uh, th- yeah, you had the right number there. Yeah, so it's just like I mean him and Howard Chuck. I just Talinder Talinder is a staple of like the teams we grew up with. So we I think are really endeared to Talinder. We really want to put yeah. Talinder, but he's in a he's in a number class with two like all time Sabers. I mean mm-hmm. Howard Chuck didn't play very long for us, but he's like an amazing talent. I saw one thousand one thousand four hundred and nine points in his career. Yeah, that's wild. Like, I mean, he didn't he didn't spend all his time in Buffalo, but I mean, that's that's definitely one of the best players. The oh yeah, leads him up for the Sabers. And Craig Ramsey just has even more longevity than Talinder does. Um, mm-hmm. I love to see what Yogi Haru can do as a Saber. Yeah, me for too. His career, but uh, yeah, you got to go with Ramsey first with Howardchuk real close second. Like it was a toss up for me. Yeah, 98 points for Howard Chuck with the Sabres in 92 was his high. Uh, he had a 96 point season there, a couple 80 point seasons. You're right. Like with other, like with Winnipeg early in his career, like the numbers are just insane. Like 130 points in 1985 for Winnipeg. So it um, still didn't win the heart. Imagine an era where you got 130 points and you came in second in Hart Trophy uh, nomination. <laughs> yeah right right exactly <laughs> um but yeah like howard chuck definitely deserves to be a close one here but ramsey with with the games played and second all time in games played and he was a good player too and be, like he's fourth all time in points like maybe he's a little bit of a compiler i think maybe you could label him a compiler a little bit but there are big seasons there are a couple of 70 point seasons in here and he was obviously known for his two-way game he won the selkie with the sabers in his final season with the team in uh, 1985 and he was it for he was up for the selkie almost every year like you look at his hockey reference page and he is in he's a selkie nominee from 1978 all the way through to 1985 so that's uh that's pretty crazy so that he was that consistent there. So yeah, Craig Ramsey, number 10. Uh, I don't think it's obvious, but I do think it's the the right thing here. So that we went through, uh, let's recap double zero through uh, number 10. Marty Baron at double zero, Don Edwards at number one, Tim Horton at number two. Our one dispute, and we'll put this up to a poll on Twitter. We'll have you guys vote on who the top uh, number three is ever. I had James Patrick and Jordan had Mike Robitaille. Again, those guys were neck and neck, so I'm not going to have no issue either way that goes. Um, Jerry Korab for number four, King Kong Korab, Mike Ramsey at number five, Phil Housley at number six, Rick Martin at number seven, Jim Lorenz at number eight, Jack Eichel at number nine, Craig Ramsey at number 10. Interesting thing about the, the single digit numbers here. We really only saw one of these guys play extensively. Like we never saw Craig Ramsey or Lorenz or Martin or Housley or Ramsey or Korab or Robitaille or Horton or Edwards. We saw Marty not in double zero. We saw James Patrick early in his or late in his career, and we saw Eichel. And that's it. Yeah, so we'll get yeah, our guys in. Wow. We'll get our guys in. Yeah, it is. I think that I think our guys. I'm trying to think of where our guys are really going to slot in. I think the 20s. I think we're going to get teens, a bunch of guys. We're have I think in the teens we'll have a couple guys. And the teens. I mean the teens though. I mean I'm already looking. We got four retired numbers. So 
in the teens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a big sat that we're going to be, you know, I guess, but one of them, I mean, we, one of them, we, I think saw a bit of, I'm, I'm a lot of highlights. For- I'm looking forward to number 17. I think there's a lot of different ways we can go there. Um, oh, actually, you no, know, maybe not. Well, the, the old-time guys are throwing themselves in the mix here, too, because I was thinking Dumont, but, you, I mean, Mike Felino is there, Rick right. Dudley, so we'll have to have a discussion about uh, that. My, my guess is the 20s is where we're going to get a bunch of yeah. our guys. All right, that's going to do it for us on today's episode. Be sure to vote on our number three poll. Who's the all-time Saber at number three? Mike Robitaille, James Patrick at Locked on Sabres. You can follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. You can follow Jordan on Twitter at J.R. Hanskin. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. This has been the Locked on Sabres podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.